last week, I just want to share something quickly with uh, regards to last week, shared around the covenant inheritance and the restoration of our position and our possession. And we see the story unfold with Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the grandson of Saul, and uh, how he gets rescued back to eating at the table. And it's just like you and I, we get rescued to eat at the table of our father forever. And that never ever changes because the covenant was never made with you and I. The father and Jesus made a covenant and you and I become co-heirs of that covenant, which means just as Christ is, so are we in this world. But your belief, you can choose that or not. And uh, the end result, got a new phone and doesn't respond as well as I wanted to. So here's Mephibosheth's story. He was born to be a prince. He was deformed and degraded by a terrible accident. He was restored and promoted through the covenant kindness of a king. He was deceived and defrauded by a lying enemy. He succumbed to the destroying shame of his name that crippled his mind and he forfeited his entire covenant inheritance. Now that shouldn't be for a new covenant believer. The end of that preach, I mentioned our story. Can we live according to this? We're born to be princes and princesses, enslaved and degraded by sin, but we were redeemed and restored by God's grace. We're deceived by a lying enemy, but we awaken to the truth of the new covenant. We learn our covenant rights, our blessings, our inheritance guaranteed in Christ. We mount in a counterattack against the enemy and get back what was stolen. We live, our, we live in our fullness of our potential daily. We eat at the king's table continually as one of his sons and daughters. And when we go and be with Jesus, we're happy, we're content, and we're passing on an inheritance, an inheritance to others. Let it not be said of us, friends, that our story ended like Mephibosheth's, with the knowledge that you and I have through the Scriptures, the knowledge that we have through what Jesus has fully accomplished on our behalf. You and I never ever have to end up like that. We just have to keep choosing to believe that He's that good. And that He establishes a covenant and He does not go back on His word. So today what I want to share is another part of our covenant inheritance and in and through it, I want to equip you with some scriptures, a real wonderful portion of scripture that you can actually go away with, get established in your heart and you can help people. And you've probably read it many, many, many times, but I'll, I'll share it with us from Romans 3, the beauty of the gospel. But I want to share a covenant with you and I and... Uh, Hopefully, hopefully help us in, in the reality of, of what's happening in the world and who gets the blame. And uh, the scriptures are quite clear. And again, the Father's character and nature can trump over all things, even though opinions come from our circumstances and bad things that happen. Allow the Father's nature and character based around what He's done through covenant to trump what you're currently believing if you are currently in a place and state where you are believing that God is the author of your bad circumstances. 
So it starts in Genesis 9, and we're going to do a lot of scriptures. So you're going to do a little bit of work. So we're going to teach you. We're going to just go line upon line. So we're going to go from Genesis 9, then we're going to go to Isaiah 54, and then we'll open up a couple of New Covenant scriptures. But it is a magnificent story, and we can share this story with others because God established this covenant. It's not some awesome story that is an opinion. It's something that God has established. So I'm going to go right into it. So Noah and the ark, and it fascinates me that sometimes we, we don't believe in supernatural events. How would you get two animals, two pairs, into an ark? Have you ever tried to get a couple of cats together? That's like my kids. It's like trying to herd cats. They're not obedient dogs. I'm sure the dogs got in, but how on earth did all those animals, why? Because God was in it, okay? So he didn't really, he was pretty disappointed in his heart about creating mankind because it said they, they were intentionally evil in their heart consistently. So God repented to himself really. He says, okay, I'm going to start again with one righteous man and that man is Noah and his family. And we know the story and we read it and it's in all our kids' stories. But if you go and read it, it is incredibly fascinating how you see God outwork the reality of, of his heart to come through for mankind. So he gets nowhere and uh, they've gone through. The ark has saved them all and all the animals are out and they out. And God speaks as uh, Noah has made an altar and a burnt sacrifice and God speaks. So we're going to open up from Genesis 9-7. But you read the before and then you read after. Uh, it's just a fascinating, wonderful story and go and review some, uh, some of the scriptures. Genesis 9-7 says this. As for you, be fruitful, increase in number, multiply on the earth and increase upon it. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. Is there a descendant of Noah here? Yes, it's all of us. Because he wiped everybody else from Adam to Noah, was gone. Noah then, we're the descendants of Noah. I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I've set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it. And remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I've established between me and all life on earth. 
You've often heard it said in the realm of Christianity is that when bad things happen, when natural disasters happen, the first thing that you hear on some Christian news is that God is judging that place or that area. We've heard that. If a flood comes, you see it is God's judgment. So if someone came to us and said, you know, God is really upset with Durban, he is going to destroy Durban with water along with the rest of the earth. What will you and what could I do or say in that moment? We could blow the whistle. We could go to the scriptures and we can say, no, that cannot be because God has made a covenant with Noah. I'm a descendant of Noah. No matter what the earth is looking like, no matter what the intention of man is, no matter the evil that is so prevalent on the earth now, God has made an oath. God has made a vow. God has sworn by his own name that he will never destroy all life again. The little bird out there, he's made a covenant with. Even the mosquito. But you get what I'm saying. He's made a covenant with every living creature that the whole earth is never going to be destroyed by water again. You see, friends, it's, it's quite a thing that God gets the blame for all the stuff that's happening on the earth. But as I read the scriptures, I realized that you and I are very responsible for some of those statements that are going out. And Christianity and Christians, without a significant lens of the finished work of the cross and that what God has done in Christ on our behalf, with, without an understanding of the new covenant, what Christ has fully done, we can veer off to believing that possibly some of the bad things that are happening is God. But you know what, friends? We have to take some responsibility. You know the first command? Ooh, the first command that Jesus gives to his disciples after he's ascended. You know what it is? So the first thing, he rocks up. Ta-da, I'm here. He shared 40 days with them about the kingdom of God. And he comes and he says to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and he said this. Listen to his first command. Receive the Holy Spirit. Second command. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold the forgiveness of any, it is withheld. You see, friends, maybe, possibly, I make a suggestion. I want to be right in this, is that we look at the devastating things that are happening on the planet and we find out who the perpetrators are and we posture our heart to say, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Now, does forgiveness take away the consequences? I don't know. But if we can posture our heart and say, Father, I forgive them, guess what heaven does on our behalf? You see, friends, maybe our city is not turning around is because we're withholding forgiveness. You see, because he left it in our hands. He left that with you and I. You see what it does? It looks at those people 
those perpetrators, the evil that is, 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 is the influence and the demonic influence over people's lives, when Jesus was on the cross, what did he do? Forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. You see, those people are doing those things, the evil intent, the demonic realm, the, the giving themselves to, to the demonic is because they have not met you or I that understand a father who loves them and wants them redeemed. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to start thinking about what restoration looks like. Because if God is making a covenant with all descendants. You see, sometimes, friends, in the, when bad things happen, we think God is unfair. And I think He's unfair often because He reigns on the just and the unjust. And we're going to the harbor on the 9th, and we would love you all to come with us, and we're going to pray the end of trafficking through our harbor. And we want the evil people caught, but we want the evil people redeemed. We no longer want that to happen. Not on my watch. You see, I hold these in things in tension because in the flesh I want to fight a battle. Someone touches my children. My first instinct is to protect. My first instinct. If your children, my children, I will protect with my life first and ask questions and ask for forgiveness later. But as I read the scriptures... As I read the scriptures, the posture of Jesus' heart when he went to the cross, because he saw the future, and we'll see that in the scriptures. It's phenomenal, the nature and the character of God. I wish he left a little bit for the bad that's happening on the earth, but Jesus fully took all of what was deserved for mankind, past, present, and future. So how do we posture our heart when we see evil things happening? We strategize, we ask for wisdom, all of these things. And he's, the first thing he says is now receive the Holy Spirit. And the what you forgive, I forgive. What you don't forgive, I don't forgive. How powerful a responsibility that he put in our hands, friends. Some people, some family members that maybe haven't got breakthrough is because you haven't seen forgiveness for yourself and you haven't released them into the realm of the kindness of God. So God has made a covenant with you and I. God has made a covenant that you and I, if someone comes up to you and says, God is going to judge the earth by water, we can go, eh, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. They're going to say, why is it not going to happen? Because God made a covenant with Noah. And I was a beneficiary of that. And all living creatures and all descendants to come. Yes, but there's been floods and there's been tsunamis. There's been the work of the enemy. I've seen storms stop through a word. I've seen a group of people stop tsunamis and tornadoes and hurricanes through a word. You see, friends, if God takes his word so seriously, maybe we should take our word so seriously. We're so flippant and easy when we vow and we promise. But he swore by his name. Therefore, we can have such confidence that that's never going to happen to us again. Now, fast forward to Isaiah 54 from verses 9. Now, go and read Isaiah 54. If you Go and read Isaiah from Isaiah 52. It speaks about the crucifixion of Jesus. And Isaiah 53, that, uh, it, it speaks of what happened to Christ on the cross. And the atonement happens there. And uh, he, forgiveness 
takes place and uh, the, the ability to be healed in that moment happens. He, 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 he was crucified for our sins and he bore our wounds for our sickness. You go and read it. Isaiah 53 is magnificent. And then Isaiah 54 is really the establishment prophetically then, Isaiah, of the new covenant. This is what it looks like if you live in the new covenant. So let's read about God and what he says, his nature and his character, and some very important things for us to get into our belief system so we can carry it into the future and never ever lean back into that place that God is the author of things that are going bad. No, he's the author of life. Not the author of destruction. The enemy is the author of destruction. And the will of man agreeing with the will of the enemy is the author of destruction. It's you and I that are the disruptors of that. We are the authors of life as co-authors with Christ because the story is not finished. You see, and we've got our words. And we've got the revelation of the cross that we can use on our behalf. We've got prophetic declarations from the Word. You see, not everything in the Old Testament is Old Covenant. And not everything in the New Testament is New Covenant yet until Christ was raised from the dead. You've got so many prophetic pictures of the New Covenant. And that's why these stories are, are beautiful and the types and the shadows to see and to show us the revealing of the Father's heart through Christ. Listen to this, Isaiah 54, verses 9. It says this, To me, this is like the days of Noah. What happened to Noah? What did he swear to Noah? He said, When I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth, so now I have sworn not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again. Friends, are you punishable or are you unpunishable? You see, it is a radical revelation if you can get into that place that your performance isn't the determining factor of God's blessing and favor and His heart towards you in your life. Does that make us passive and allow us to do whatever we want to do? What a ghastly thought. Now that you have died to sin, how can you carry on living in it? You see, friends, I, I wish the body, I wish us, I wish me, could get to that place where my conflict with sin was no longer anything that I was really wrestling with. But I'm still living in this body and I came to Christ late, so I've got more things to deal with because of an unrenewed mind. But here's the thing, I've studied the scripture to the point where I am without excuse any longer because even the temptation, he says, I will make a way out. I have to be personally responsible so any sin in the new covenant is willful. It's because you want to. Because it's more pleasurable than finding the pleasure of the Father. And the breakthrough that He has for you in that moment. So He swears, I'll never be angry with you or rebuke you again. He says, though... The mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. Says the Lord who has compassion on you. Compassion is love in action. His desire is to, to continually act out his love towards you. 
He's not only a verbal father. He's not only a father full of a affirmation with his words. He's one of affection. Yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed. Nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Afflicted city, lashed by storms and not comforted, I will rebuild you with stones of turquoise, your foundations with some word I can't say, but it's a, it must be amazing. Lapis lazuli, it sounds like a handbag. I will make your battlements of rubies, your gates of sparkling jewels, and all your walls of precious stones. I restore to you your position. I restore to you your possession when you eat at my table. And all your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. Just today, I prayed for a couple of families. That their children are having nightmares, nightmares. I said, take the scripture and you declare it over your children. Children will be taught of the Lord and great will be their peace. Great will be their shalom. In righteousness you'll be established. It is the one doctrine in the new covenant that is probably the most misunderstood because we're still trying to outwork our righteousness to gain what Christ has already released through his righteousness on our behalf. Friends, I, I don't know if we should do a whole series on the righteousness of Jesus or faith righteousness or righteousness that comes by faith because once we understand it, it's another thing to accept that he is that good, that he would give you the gift that allowed him to be a part of the Trinity and it's his righteousness. The, the revealing of the Father's heart, his DNA consistently. He gives us a gift called righteousness that then qualifies you to be before the Father. It's the one place that the grace of God rules and reigns. You see, the grace of God does not rule and reign on our self-righteousness or our performance. And we'll see that in Romans, magnificent scripture. It, the grace of God or the ability of God or the unmerited favor of God gets released over our lives when we are dependent upon His righteousness over mine. In righteousness you'll be established. Tyranny will be far from you. You will have nothing to fear. Now it's speaking, you'll have nothing to fear from the Father. Terror will be far removed. It will not come near you. If anyone does attack you, friends, look at this. If anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. There's three wills involved in day-to-day -day life, friends. It's the will of God. In Romans, it says this about the will of God. It's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. You get the will of the enemy, which is to kill, steal, and destroy. Then you've got the will of man to believe either the good, pleasing, and perfect, or the steal, kill, and destroy. Friends, hyper-sovereignty has done this, that we no longer have a will 
because God is completely in control of absolutely everything. He says to me here, he says to me, if anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. You see, friends, we have to realize there's evil people in this world. There's people intent on hurting because of greed and pride and power. You and I, with an upside-down kingdom, get to disrupt all of that. And, the, and, that, and that the Father would invest Himself by His Spirit in you and I to see that take place. It says this, whoever attacks you will surrender to you. See, it is I who created the blacksmith who fans the coals into flame and he forges a weapon fit for its work. You see, he wants to forge you and I. We weapons fit for his work. And it is I who has created the destroyer to wreak havoc. <laughs> you see, if we see it in the light of the new covenant, that's you and me. We wreak havoc on what the enemy has stolen, where he is established, and where he is controlling what is rightfully ours, the earth is our inheritance. We have to become the disruptors and the undoers of the enemy's work, because that's what Jesus did in Acts 10 verse 38. Jesus went about doing good, filled with the Holy Spirit, anointed by the Holy Spirit, undoing the works of the enemy. Verse 17, no weapon formed against you will prevail. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. Sometimes you have to accuse the tongue that you're using against yourself that's accusing you. Every tongue that accuses you in judgment. Every time you've done something wrong and, you believe, and you're hearing the whispers of the enemy saying you're deserving of judgment, you're not deserving of blessing, you're not deserving of anything, rather give your inheritance away because you're a good for nothing. You have, to, you have to refute it. You have to, friends, the best thing you can do is when you're doubting is doubt your doubts. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. Friends, these are scriptures. If we can see the scriptures in the light of the new covenant, we can see the scriptures in context of what Christ has done and what the Father has fully accomplished on our behalf. Let me tell you, we're set up for so much success. Is if you can have a successful belief system, your circumstances will change. See, friends, I think the dangers of the church in, in preaching and people's lives is this thing I've said it before, is circumstance theology. Where everything that I'm going through, God is the author of that. And then, friends, second-hand theology. There's certain things that need to change in our belief system based around the nature and the character of God that we've learned. Yeah. But second-hand, it's not going to do you well. It's one thing to hear all of this. It's another thing to go and make it your personal revelation and go and test it out. Linny, I forgot you do share your testimony as well. My, my cousin also had a great testimony of breakthrough as she did business with God with what the enemy was stealing and wanting to take her inheritance. Their business is booming and there's just people in their lives just in a week of beautiful things that have happened. So Romans 5.1, just the scriptures, friends. But if we can get this, just to recap quickly on those two passages of scripture. God makes a covenant with Noah and all the descendants. I'm never going to flood the earth and destroy people again by water. That first scripture says, now, just as us will, 
Just like our went back with Noah, I'm making this covenant with you. So friends, guess what? Every time you see a rainbow, you see the supernatural event of a, of a rainbow, guess what? You do. Oh, Father's not angry with me. Oh, my Father's not rebuking me. Oh, my Father's for me. Oh, bad things. He's not the author of the bad things. Oh, I'm not going to fear. Those who are against me are going to surrender to me. Oh, Father, you're going to teach my children. And their, their inheritance is peace. You see, we take the scriptures because he made a covenant. And I'm a beneficiary of that covenant. But friends, when are we going to start to access, pull down, and, and work and, and declare the inheritance that is rightfully ours? So Romans 5.1, carrying on with this everlasting covenant of peace. The Father has an everlasting covenant of peace with you and I. It says this in Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified or been made right before God, through faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. If you want to get a real full understanding of that, and here's your homework. All of this is homework, but here's a great passage for you. Homework, and I got it out of this. It's just the language is so beautiful in the New Living Translation. You can, very quick there, Ant. I didn't even give those to Ant. It's just so sharp. Romans 3 verse 20, the New Living Translation, buddy. Listen to this. Study this from verse 20 to 30. It'll help you share the gospel. Here's the gospel in a nutshell. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Interesting, huh? Verse 32, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. And this is true for everyone who believes. Verse 23, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, say yet God. Yet God. In His grace. Say, yet God in His grace. Freely makes us righteous in His sight. <laughs> you see, this is scandalous. It's magnificent. You see, I was one of those guys who chose to believe it because I knew who I was. I couldn't change myself. I tried. I tried to be a I tried to do the Ten Commandments radically. I just became angry and frustrated. And the, evil, uh, the what's the word? Elevation. The elevation of my sin just increased. Because that's what the Bible says. That's the only use it has is to tell you how sinful you are. Yet God in His grace freely makes us righteous in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. 
For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for our sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. How radical is he? He waited. Listen to this next part of the scripture. For he was looking ahead and included all of them in those past times in what he would do in this present time. Now why do you think after he's done it that you and I are going to be punished? He didn't punish those before because he included them in himself in the crucifixion. Why do you think you're that important that he left a little bit for you? You see, friends, this can be liberating for you entering into the throne of grace. This can be liberating for you that you can sit at the table with nothing hidden and eat with the Father as a son and a daughter daily. God did this to demonstrate His righteousness for He Himself is fair and just. And he makes sinners righteous in his sight when they believe in Jesus. I'm not making this up. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It's based on my faith in Christ. So we made right with God through faith and not obeying the law. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There is only one God and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they're Jews or Gentiles. Friends, the Father himself has made a covenant with you and I. And it's not only a covenant of peace. He calls it an everlasting covenant of peace. The Father's at peace with you and I. Just as He swore by an oath, an everlasting covenant of peace with mankind that He's never going to flood the earth with water again, He says to you, I swear by that same oath, by the covenant that I've made with Christ, I'm not going to be angry with you or rebuke you again. Now, people ask me, don't you think God is angry with sex trafficking? Don't you think God is angry? Do you know what? Yes. Do you think it hurts his heart? I think it hurts his heart. But can his love win through you and I? Am I there to display anything else but his nature and his character revealed through a covenant that he's made? He's angry. Because the church has taken, I mustn't say stuff like this. It's, this is me. It's taken 2,000 years for the church to get a revelation of what Christ did in a moment. And we're still so passive. And untrusting and unbelieving, and I'm the same guy. 
we open, I'll be vulnerable. I'm like, my wife is going radically after certain things in the city. Man, and I, I think, how can I protect my family? You know, I want to strap on my old bulletproof vest. I want to go and get all my weapons out the safe that someone's holding for me. I, I want to pack it on like that. Every time I go out, I call Dean. I say, Dean, you have to go carry on. You have to follow my family. But Dean's a man. He's a man. When are we going to really trust that God is with me? That he sends angels with me? That you see, evil need to see the intention of a believing son and daughter of God, that they've got an army with them. That in those moments of fear, we can say, Father, open up their eyes that they can see the army that is for me and that they would be weak in their knees before me. You see, friends, we've got such an inheritance in God, but we're not accessing what the Father wants us to access. But it starts with this, that you and I, He wants to demolish all of those things that you have in your belief system is that He's against you. He's not against you. He's wanting the church, as we heard this morning, to be a force to be reckoned with. We have to answer the world's questions with solutions of being the sons and daughters of God. And it ends here, but you can read Ephesians and Colossians because they're just all amazing. And I'll just go back down to Hebrews 13, verse 20, and it says, Now may the God of peace, may the God of peace, who through the blood of an eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you. Equip you with everything good for doing His will. Oh, come on, friends. He's forging us as a weapon to wreak havoc on the kingdom of darkness. Darkness only exists because the light hasn't been switched on. It's, darkness isn't anything. It's just the absence of light. Equip you with everything good for doing His will, and may He work in us what is pleasing to Him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Friends, He's for you, not against you. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, you're redeemable. And you were redeemable 2,000 years ago. He doesn't have to die again. We just have to believe that He died and He rose again. He ascended the right hand of the Father. And we co-heirs of this kingdom. And He's waiting for you and I. To take back a stolen humanity. Because our inheritance is the whole earth. We have to play the part, friends, with our belief systems. We have to play the part that God is not spending all His time looking at all the nitty-gritties that you're doing wrong right now. He's like, I wish you would get it. I've wiped the slate clean. I want to empower you to make a counterattack against the enemy. And the best way you can do that is go, I'm loved. 
I'm loved by my Father. I'm cherished by my Father. I'm valued by my Father. It doesn't create entitlement. It creates gratitude. And gratitude becomes the currency of heaven for your life. So let's stand and then someone will help me minister. An everlasting covenant of peace. Friends, we don't have to give up our inheritance and our position and our possession of sitting at the Father's table and walking what is rightfully ours. We are not of the lineage of Mephibosheth. We are the lineage of Christ. We are not in the lineage of Job. He was the answer. Jesus is the solution. Job was the question. Jesus is the solution and the answer. We're not in any other lineage. We are born of God. Not of human descent. We are born of God. We are born again of God. You see what's so magnificent about the ecclesia or the called out ones? Because we might look the same to the world, but inside is different now. Therefore, if anyone in Christ is a new creation, The old is gone and the new has come. And this is done by God. And then immediately, friends, He knows His work in you if believed how magnificent it can be. Because then He says, now I'll give you the ministry of reconciliation. Be ambassadors of heaven. You see, ambassadors speak of what the culture releases. An ambassador will speak what Christ speaks. An ambassador will demonstrate what Christ demonstrated. We're ambassadors. And guess what? Ambassadors get paid from the country they come from. So I'll start acting like an ambassador and maybe you start getting paid like that. It's our right. It's our inheritance. And in this, I, I feel a deep gratitude for being so loved and I was in his mind when he died. It's such a beautiful thing to know that the Father has nothing against me because he dealt with it in Christ. And when he dealt with it in Christ, I was co-crucified with Christ. And when Christ died, I died with him as an old man. And when I was buried, I was buried with Christ. And that old nature stays there. But guess what, friends? When I was raised up, I was raised up in newness of life. And it now looks like Jesus. The only reason you're doing those things that you're feeling shameful, guilty, or ignorant, or even desirable for right now is because we still haven't come into the full revelation of who we are and whose we are. This gospel's magnificent. This gospel, signs and wonders follow this gospel. Can a city be changed in a day? Whoa. If his sons and daughters get it, I say yes. Can our prayers change for the city? Can we look at corrupt governments and get on our knees and not beg God forgiveness on their behalf, but we forgive them? 
for the pain that they've brought the city, the nation. Oh, Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit just so desperately wants to empower us. He wants to change your value system. He wants to tell you that you're so unpunishable. He wants to create himself in you such good works. He wants to equip you according to his will for your life. Magnificent. Because of this everlasting covenant that was established in his blood, he wants to equip you and I with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus. <laughs> he wants to work in you and I something that is beautiful, something that is pleasing to him. Wow. George, Jules, have you got anything to say? There's a hand on your heart. Confess that God the Father, eternal Father, is at peace with you. Confess it. You're at peace with me, Father. You're at peace with me, Father. You're at peace with me, Father. Holy Spirit, help me be at peace with myself. I've been made right because of my belief in Jesus. Help me see myself rightfully. That you're not useless, that you're a useful tool in His hands. To wreak havoc in the enemy's camp. It's at peace with you. But you're so convinced that he's never going to flood the earth again with water. Be as convinced that he's not angry with you or going to rebuke you. Let this be a body that reminds each other of who we really are. You see, if you understand that this culture and that this place is that we're not going to punish you because the Father's not going to punish you, but we don't want to leave you where you're at. And the reason some of you are doing the things that you're doing, that you know that if you're not pleased with them, man, the Father's like, oh, You know, the Spirit of God, it says we grieve the Spirit of God and we quench the Spirit of God. So we grieve Him because we don't believe who we are. He's like, oh, Jesus' work was so magnificent on your behalf. Believe it. Because when you believe it, you're going to walk in it. I see an incredibly, incredibly, incredibly dangerous church before me. It's dangerous when you believe who you are. 
You're no longer going to put up with stuff that steals from who you are and who God says you are. So Father, as we linger longer, we've got such good news for people. They don't have to stay in the place that they're staying. They don't have to stay because we've got, we're armed with the scriptures. We're armed with the new covenant. Holy Spirit, please minister deeply to your sons and your daughters. That if there's any residue of guilt and shame, any residue of something we've done that we're feeling guilty of. You know, friends, accept what he's done. But you know, there's a beautiful response. It says, in community, you confess one to another that you may be healed and set free. Here's the beauty of, we can walk out of here and, oh my God, I'm forgiven. Don't let the enemy lie to you any longer. Share with someone the stuff that you're going through. 